Marshall slides it around the rim. He's got Eichel, top of the left circle, closing in. He shoots, he scores! Jack Eichel, power play goal! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Locke looks up, taps it back, Zadonov in the middle, he shoots, he scores! Jubilation! Vegas in overtime! Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at lbsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Hour number two rolling along here on a Friday, the VGK Insider Show. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman with you until 6 o'clock. Game five of the Stanley Cup Final is just around the corner. Uh, Puck's set to drop in about 15 minutes or so. We got some updates from warm-up. Uh, still no point in warm-up, as our buddy Elliot Friedman tweeted out. So Braden Point will not go for the Tampa Bay Lightning. No Andre Burakovsky for the Colorado Avalanche. And Eric Chernak and Anthony Sorelli are both in for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So it, it, it's a big one. Game 5, obviously, for the Colorado Avalanche and Tampa. Tampa, they need to win in order to stay alive and keep their hopes of a three-peat alive. And for Colorado, it's about dispatching the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, and that's not going to be an easy task. However, for the first time this year, the Stanley Cup is in the building. If Colorado wins, series over, season over, they are the new Stanley Cup champions. And before we get into the game, Chapman, I just saw something on Twitter, and I want to go through this because I think it's really funny and really uh, a little bit different, a little bit of a, of a different spin on the Stanley Cup final. It's the Daily Faceoff. You know our buddy Frank Saravelli. Uh, the Daily Faceoff Stanley Cup prop sheet. Okay, there yes. are five different props on this sheet and I want to get your opinion on it as we go into game five because there's a good likelihood and I'm not saying that it's a guarantee or anything but there's a good likelihood that the Stanley Cup could be awarded before we are back on the air on Monday because we've got a game tonight and if Tampa wins it'll push game six to Sunday and I don't know if you noticed, but we are not on the air on Sunday. So right. there's a good chance we might not get the opportunity to do this. And in the event that we don't, I want to do it now. So the daily face-off Stanley Cup prop sheet. Here's the first prop on the sheet, Chris Chapman. Okay. If the Colorado Avalanche win the Stanley Cup tonight, or if they win on Sunday, will a player swear on live TV after the game, yes or no? Yes. <laughs> is that is that uh, like to me it's just become synonymous with winning the Stanley Cup. So yeah, I don't believe there's a scenario where no is ever going to be in play here. I think that there will be not just one player but multiple players swear uh, on live TV after the game and that's the beauty of winning the Stanley Cup. On to prop number 2, Chris Chapman. Are you ready for this one? Yes, yes I am. Okay. Over under two and a half. Players shown crying on TV. Over under two and a half. What do you have? I'm going to go under two and a half. Oh, come on. Really? I, 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 I think there will definitely be more than two and a half players who cry, but I don't know if they'll show them 
on television. Two and a half is 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 three. Showing three is is a little high. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go under. Oh come on! They're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna be interviewing players. I think we're getting the over on this one. You and I differ here. Um, I I've got the over. I've got over two and a half players shown crying on TV. Okay, prop number three. Will the net become dislodged during the celebration? So the final horn sounds. The Colorado Avalanche again. If if this happens prior to us. Getting on the air Monday, it will be Colorado winning the Stanley Cup. So Colorado wins the Stanley Cup. They all go and swarm a goaltender, whether it's Darcy Kemper or Pablo Francois, time will tell, but they will swarm a goaltender. Will the net become dislodged? Yes or no? I'm going to go with no because my my gut tells me if, if Colorado wins tonight, it will be in overtime, and the player who scores the winning goal will skate towards the bench and get tackled by his his teammates well think about it from from that perspective so you're calling it a close game that's good um when nazem kadri scored and granted nobody knew what happened on the play but he was mobbed at center ice so i think that you're on to something but i'm gonna say yes the net does become dislodged during the celebration because i, I do think that this isn't going to be a situation where Colorado has to win it in overtime. I think that it's going to be a foregone conclusion, and you're going to know for at least three, four minutes that they're going to win. Uh, will, okay, prop number four. Who will the captain, this being Gabe Landeskog, pass the cup to first? I'm going to say Nathan McKinnon gets it second. Hmm. He touches it second. Why? Because I think he'll be right next to Landeskog, and I and I think he's the guy who who even though he's not the captain, I think he's the guy that mm-hmm. that has been there a long time. He's been there through some really dark times, and I think he's the guy who who probably gets it second. Yeah i I don't think it's going to be Nathan McKinnon, and I don't know. I could be completely wrong. Like maybe there's just something that that happens where it becomes Nathan McKinnon and it's not to say that he's not deserving of being the next guy to touch the cup but to me it's Eric Johnson oh he has been, been there a long time with the Colorado he has been with the Colorado Avalanche through the thick and the thin and the terrible terrible seasons to me if I'm Gabe Landeskog it's a no-brainer I'm going to Eric Johnson first then then it can go to Nathan McKinnon but I'm not going down that route immediately. I think Eric Johnson deserves it second to Gabe Landeskog. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. I, I, I know Johnson has been there. I think Johnson's been there even longer than, than McKinnon. So mm-hmm. um, I, yeah. I, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're going to go in, in, in terms of tenure, then then that would make sense. Okay, final prop on the Stanley Cup, should it be awarded tonight or Sunday to the Colorado Avalanche, whose parents will be shown first on TV? Hmm. Kale McCarr. I think they show his parents yeah. first. Because I, I, yeah, think, I, I, think I think if think, Colorado wins, he's the Con Smythe winner. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on there. It, to me, it's Kale McCarr. I don't think it's particularly close. Because he's basically a baby, and I think that that's kind of the, the most important aspect for uh, the, the TV cameras to pick up on is the, the booming and exuding um, 
accomplishment felt by his parents when when they eventually win. Uh, to me, it's it's Kale McCarr's parents, and I think you're you're spot on there, Chapman. So, the daily faceoff prop sheet for the Stanley Cup. Again, this has a a very heavy slant toward the Colorado Avalanche because we wanted to get to it right now, and the only team that can win the cup right now is Colorado. That brings me to my next question, and you can kind of fill this out for yourself if you'd like to. Just go ahead and follow at Ryan Hockey Guy. I retweeted it so you can have an idea of what those props are as you're watching the game tonight. Um, but Chapman, I, do you do you feel like? And I know you said the winner of Game Four is going to win the series, but do you believe this one's done? Do you think this series is over for all intents and purposes? Colorado's—they've got three opportunities to eliminate the Tampa Bay Lightning. Do you think that this one ends eventually with the Colorado Avalanche lifting the Stanley Cup? I I, I do. I, I think at this point, I think John Cooper has kind of given a bunch of excuses. He's he's kind of, <laughs> I, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I agree with him on the mm-hmm. too many men. I think he was right. But they weren't the better team in that game. And I, I never felt that they were going to win that game. So I just think Colorado's better. I, 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 it sucks because I wanted to see history. I wanted to see Tampa win three straight. And quite honestly, I don't think I wanted to see Colorado win a cup. But I, I just think it's foregone conclusion that if they don't do it tonight, they will do it in one of the next two games. I just think they're a better team. I think the way it's shaking out, the, the, the lack of Braden Point being on there for Tampa is, is crushing them. Um, I think you 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 look at the fact that Colorado got a boost with Nazem Kadri coming back and he he plays a pivotal role in helping them win game 4 and and you know here's the other thing Ryan we 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 kind of talked the other day about Nathan McKinnon and his lack of points in the series mm-hmm. Nikita Kucherov has zero goals in the series for Tampa mm-hmm. so the big gun so to speak hasn't shown up for Tampa and he's the guy who who you look at his past postseasons and he's he's been a he's been a stud. This mm-hmm. is crunch time and he hasn't really been there. Vasilevsky just doesn't look like himself. I I understand his his record in in closeout games, but at some point he's going to have a bad game in in a in a closeout game. I don't know if it's going to be tonight. I don't know if it's going to be on Sunday. I don't know if it's going to be on Tuesday, but. I think at some point it's coming. I just and I, and I said it the other day, I just don't see Tampa winning two games in Colorado. So you mentioned John Cooper giving a lot of excuses and you know he he had certainly the the big dust up about the game winning goal from Nazem Kadri in game number 4 and then walked those comments back the next day and then you find out that he talked about altitude. Uh, okay. Um how do you take the excuses from a two-time defending Stanley Cup champion club? Because there are a number of ways to feel about it, I think. To me, 
it makes Tampa less likable. Like there's there's a a degree of wanting to see Tampa do this because by and large, even circumventing the cap, they've been a likable team. By and large, you've enjoyed the the process. You know they've had to go through some terrible losses to get to the pinnacle, and and you rooted for that. You rooted for Steven Stamkos to be able to come back and be on a team and go through a full playoff run. You rooted for all that, but when you've tasted ultimate success and you've done it for three years in a row and then you finally run into a team that's pushing you around a little bit and you don't give credit but instead you look at excuses you look at all the reasons why you're quote giving it away or your the, the deck is stacked against you when you've won literally the last two Stanley Cups to me it comes across in a bad way for Tampa and John Cooper and where I think a lot of people would be rooting for their history. Some people are turned off by it now saying, yeah, I don't really care if they get waxed. Like, let's just stop with the excuses. Yeah. I I don't like it, Ryan. I think that the thing is they've had a, a bit of luck themselves the last couple mm-hmm. of years. I think in order to win the Stanley cup, you need luck. It's 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 frustrating. It's like it's like, dude, I don't want to hear excuses. There, there's a lot of people who will criticize the fact that they circumvented the salary cap last year, and mm-hmm. they were they were they were well within their right as an organization to do that. It was in the rules. You have they, to they, do it. They were they were, they were able do to it. do it. So I I'm not one of those people, but there are people who are. There, there there's people who criticize the fact that they beat the Islanders with seven men on the ice last year. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's certainly an element of you need fortuitous bounces to go your way, and I, I don't like the 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 altitude excuse because <laughs> every team look the Golden Knights didn't have a problem with the altitude; it, it, it didn't hinder them last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the, yep. the San Jose Sharks, who who eliminated the Colorado Avalanche the year before, two years before that. They didn't have an issue with the altitude. I don't want to hear the altitude excuse. It's a it, it, you just deal with it. it, it it's mm-hmm. it's I'll I'll cut him some slack on the six men because I think he was right. But but the altitude excuse, no, it, it, it's an excuse. That's all it is. It's it's like John, you're a damn good coach. You're really good at getting your team to play well. You're really good at, at, at winning games. The X's and O's, whatever. You don't need to create excuses. It's not going to hurt you if you just say we haven't been the better team in the series. Do you do you think that that they believe that though? No, I don't. Like, I don't. Do you, I don't think that. That's the problem. I I, right. I I think I I think it's one of those situations where you believe that you're the better team and you're trying to come up with reasons why you're not up three games to one in this series, or you're not even at two games apiece in the series. But Mm -hmm. the most obvious and glaring reason is Colorado's been better. That's why you're down three games to one. It has nothing to do with the altitude. You weren't the better team in overtime in game four. Colorado dominated that that period, and that's why they won the game. I I, I don't want excuses. So so what do you expect? If... Colorado wins this series. What are you expecting as far as comments from John Cooper after the fact? And 
kind of along those lines, given the fact that, that it's been nothing but excuses for the first time ever now that Tampa's on the wrong side of a series, um, what does he have to do in defeat to make it palatable for you? Or does it even matter? Because, like, John Cooper doesn't owe you anything. He doesn't owe me anything. He can make excuses all he wants to. I think it's a bit um, far-fetched when you when you consider the five games or the four games that we've seen so far in the series. But do you think there's a, a, a Maya Copa at the end and John Cooper finally gives Colorado some credit, or is it more the same if they lose tonight? No, I, I, I think I think what he's doing right now is gamesmanship. I, yeah. I, I think he's trying to take the pressure off his team. I think John Cooper will be very gracious in defeat. I think he will congratulate the Colorado Colorado Avalanche. I think he'll say all the right things. I just I I I just think that that's the way he is. I I, I think. When you get embroiled in in a series, especially one of this magnitude, and there's a there's a high range of emotions, I think sometimes coaches say things that maybe they wish they didn't say. Like, I think if we could rewind back to the Golden Knights San Jose Shark series, I would imagine that Pete DeBoer and Gerard Gallant would have probably approached those press conferences a little bit different because it it, it took away a bit from that game seven. So I. I, I think John Cooper will say the right things. I think he will be very congratulatory of the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche. I think you have to be. I I, I don't think he's going to say, "Oh, we were the better team. Things just didn't go our way." I think he I think he will admit in defeat that Colorado deservedly will raise the cup. And I'd like to believe that that's what's going to happen. Whether or not he is, I mean, who knows? But I'd like. And you're right. He doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't owe me an explanation. Sure. He doesn't owe anybody an explanation. The only people who will hold him accountable are the the, the owners of the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're the only ones that he owes sure. an explanation to. So you know, you know what's really interesting about this final, and it's something I, I've thought about quite a bit over the first four games, and it, it it has to do with Corey Perry. And for Corey Perry fans out there, you're probably not going to like what I'm about to say, but hey, we all know there aren't very many of you to begin with. Um, <laughs> that was low-hanging fruit. <laughs> come on, it was funny. Uh, Corey Perry is playing in his third consecutive Stanley Cup final with his third different team. He went to the Cup final with the Dallas Stars, lost to Tampa. He went to the Cup final with the Montreal Canadiens, lost to Tampa. He is now in the Cup final with Tampa Bay against Colorado, staring down elimination. The last player, to my knowledge, that was in three consecutive Stanley Cup finals was Marion Hossa. Marion Hosa, three consecutive Stanley Cup finals. Lost with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Lost with the Detroit Red Wings. Won, finally in 2010, with the Chicago Blackhawks. So I don't know if this is the first ever recorded moment in NHL history where this could happen. But if Corey Perry becomes the first player to play in three consecutive Stanley Cup finals with three different teams and lose all three of them, oh boy, that's a rough one to put on the resume. Yeah, that that sucks because you, you get so close to the pinnacle and to come up short three times. I, I think two of those times he probably felt were with teams that maybe shouldn't have been there, right? Like you look back in Dallas, probably not the best team in the Western Conference that year. 
Montreal, I, I think we're all still trying to figure out how the hell they got to the cup final last year. But this year, I think ghosts, he had he, yeah, yeah, ghosts at the old, the old forum ghosts sneaking over. Yep. Um, but yep. I, I, I think this year he had to feel that he was on a team that was well within the capability to win the Stanley yeah. Cup. So I, I think this one yeah. would probably sting the most because the other two teams, man, you probably didn't have much chance to beat those Tampa teams. This team, y- 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 it's what's the, what's the old saying? If you can't beat them, join them. Well, uh-huh. yeah. it looks like he's not going to be able to beat Colorado either. So is he going to go to the Avalanche next year? Is Corey Perry going to jump to, to Colorado <laughs> next year? Uh, two years of losing to the Lightning in, in, the, in the final, and then you go and join the Lightning, and it's almost like the ghost have followed Corey Perry. So um, it, it sucks. Who's I, more responsible? Who's Who's more responsible? Is it Colorado playing well, or is it Corey Perry's curse? It's the curse of Corey Perry, of course. I, I mean, you get you got to. Is that it, what we're gonna call it? It's 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 more fun. <laughs> it's more fun. You know what? He's cursed for taking a slap shot on a breakaway. That's the curse of Corey Perry. <laughs> that's you know what? That's, that's I what believe that. It's Chapman. I believe in the cor- I I believe in the curse of Corey Perry more than I believe in the ghosts of the Montreal Forum. <laughs> Seriously, it's like the, I'm not, I'm not kidding, I'm not joking. I, I, like it's, it's the, the biggest bummer in the world to me that Darren Millard isn't on with us right now because that would be really fun because I know how much that would grind his gears. If oh, I were to, saying, you know what? Backflips. <laughs> well, listen, he, he's a big Corey Perry guy, and and I know that I, I jumped on that low hanging fruit Corey Perry joke, but I gen, genuinely enjoy Corey Perry. And it wasn't always the case. It wasn't always that way. The the saving grace for Corey Perry is that he's won a Stanley Cup. He won with the Anaheim Ducks. It happened early in his career. It's always nice to have that one in your back pocket. But I, I can't imagine. Like, you and I were in the locker room year one when the Golden Knights lost the Stanley Cup to the Washington Capitals. Yeah. You understand on a very, very, very different level just how much that hurts when you're in the room, right? You saw it on every single person's face, even the guy that had won multiple Stanley Cups, right? So you get a real sense in those moments, and that's something that a lot of fans don't get. Like, obviously, you know it hurts, it stings, it sucks, but when you are in a room moments after that dream is extinguished, it becomes very, very real how much these players care and how single-minded they are in what it is they want out of this sport. Yeah, it's something and that... And so when, when you have a guy in Corey Perry who has been to the last two cup finals and lost, and potentially this is his third straight loss at the pinnacle of the sport... Boy, that's got to rub you the wrong way. Yeah, it's it, being in that room is, is something I will never forget because you're right. It you truly see the 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 pain and and just how much these guys are 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 emotional. Um, yeah, you know it it, it sucks. You you, you kind of want to hug the guy, right? Like you, you see him and you could he's crying and you just want to you just want to give him a hug because you know you know. They're devastated. 
I could not imagine being in the Golden Knights locker room if they lost three consecutive Stanley Cup finals. Like, I just couldn't imagine how devastating that would be. And, and you have to look a guy in the face. And I'm sure the last thing they want to do is talk to me about how awful the season ended. And they have, you know, generally me, speaking, me with my goofy microphone in their face and, and my stupid Hawaiian shirt. I'm sure I'm the last mm-hmm. person that they want to see. So yeah. I I don't envy Corey Perry having to face reporters tonight if they end up losing this game because you know that that's something that he's going to be asked. Like, how much does this hurt now losing three straight? Because I, I'd have to imagine, and 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 I'd like to talk to a couple players who've won multiple cups. When you win mm-hmm. that one, how much more satisfying is it to win the second? And maybe the third. Because I, I can't imagine as a competitor, you win one and you're like, yeah, I'm good. I'm cool with that. I, I won one. Like, I think <laughs> I think motivating factors for these guys, they're, they're, they're all super great competitors. The goal yeah. is to win the Stanley Cup. If you're not, if that's not your goal, yeah. then get off the ice. Why are you playing? And I, I, I just, I, I, I don't want to be that reporter. I would, I'm glad I'm not the reporter who has to go in the locker room mm-hmm. and ask Corey Perry that question. Like, what do you think he's going to say? Like, will he be gracious? I, I, or will he just be like... Uh, yeah, listen, he'll he'll be a pro about it, but, I mean, it, it's it's not it's not easy, right? Like, it's not easy to lose it once. It's, it's certainly not any easier to lose it three years in a row. So, um, you know, I, I don't imagine that there's going to be much... It's not going to be a verbose answer, right? Like, it's, it's going to be probably dejection, probably a couple of words here and there. And, and the, the story isn't so much in what Corey Perry says. It'll be what's written on his face. Yeah. That's, like, no that's faking the key. That. Yeah. The, the emotion, yeah. the, the emotional drain that you will see on him and the pain mm-hmm. in his face will tell the story. It's not so much what he says, because you, you, you could already script what he's going to say. He's probably going to say something along the lines of, yeah, it's, it's a pretty crappy feeling. It sucks. But you're going to see so yeah. much more on his face when he's answering that question. And, and you know, for those who can, can think back to what it was like watching the Golden Knights talk about when they lost in San Jose, the, the, mm-hmm. the dejection in that locker room and having to go in there knowing that these guys just got screwed and their dream died because they were screwed. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's something that, that you, you just can't fake the emotion you can't fake it. it's it's impossible to put a smile on your face and pretend that everything is okay all right what's your prediction for tonight i think tampa's going to find a way to get it done i i i mm-hmm. I, I maybe wishful thinking i want to see seven games i want to see that that moment where all the pressure is on colorado I want to see what how they play if they've blown a, a three to one series lead. I I so desperately want to see us get to seven games because I just want to see the way they handle that pressure. Like I think for Tampa, if they get to game seven, they're playing with house money. Like I don't think there's any pressure sure. on them at all. All the pressure would be on Colorado. So so I want to see that. Hopefully we get there. I wishful thinking on my part. Tampa finds a way to win tonight. Yeah, I think Colorado wraps it up tonight. That's. Not anything I feel particularly confident in. I just think for for Colorado's sake, 
they need to wrap this up as quickly as possible. So I think Colorado gets it done here tonight. We'll be back with one-timers next, right here on the VGK Insider Show. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insider Show. One-timers brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee. Our look around the NHL. News, notes, little tidbits. Uh, just about 10 minutes gone in game number five between the Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa has had two power play opportunities in the first 10 minutes, and they have looked terrible on both of them. In fact, Colorado shorthanded has looked like the better team than the Colorado Avalanche, giving you an idea that Colorado can probably win this game without having too many men on the ice. So it's a good thing there. Uh, Tampa, one for 16 on the power play in this series, you want to look to a major reason why this team is down 3-1. Uh, special teams have absolutely, absolutely bitten the Tampa Bay Lightning. Patrice Bergeron <clears throat> has reportedly made his decision and will rejoin the Bruins next season on a one-year deal. Bergeron coming off one of the best seasons of his career, having won his fifth Selkie Trophy. That all being said, the Bruins don't yet have a new coach. The Bruins are going to be without Brad Marchand, without Matt Grizzlick, without Charlie McAvoy to start the year. Does this matter? Like, I, it matters having Patrice Bergeron back in the fold, sure. But Boston's not going to be good next year, and Patrice Bergeron coming back to play isn't going to help them any. They're still going to be bad. Yes? Yeah, I, I, I don't. Outside of maybe him hoping that They'll be they'll be able to stick around until those guys come back and they can maybe sneak into the playoffs. But I I, I just don't look at them even with Patrice Bergeron and say oh they're a Stanley Cup contender because I don't think they are. I think they're they're a team in transition. And I think the other aspect of this is something you mentioned a couple weeks ago. By virtue of him coming back, they probably eliminate any opportunity they have to get the number one pick, and that's going to be what Shane Wright. So. I, I, I think from that perspective, the fact that him coming back probably stunts their rebuild a little bit. So I understand, right? Like the guy, look, if, you, if you're a pro hockey player, you can play at the level he's played at. Why not? But I think from a Boston perspective, I'm, I'm guessing there's probably a couple people in Beantown kind of wishing that he didn't come back. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't get it. I mean, like, I get it. If you're Patrice Bergeron, you still want to play. By all means, go for it. But if I'm the Boston Bruins, I'm not looking at all to be good next year. I'm just not. They'll, they'll, they'll be fine. They'll hang around. They'll be somewhat relevant. They'll be middle of the pack because Bergeron will make them so. And I just don't think that that's the right thing for the organization moving forward. Or they might talk themselves into going absolutely ridiculous in free agency and try to keep the window alive, even though I do not believe that it's there. Barry Trotz has come to a decision. Barry Trotz will not coach next year. Barry Trotz has decided that he is not taking the head coaching job in Winnipeg. Instead, he wants to focus on his family. So Barry Trotz will not be a head coach next year, at least for now. 
in the National Hockey League. Surprised? Yes and no. The, the, the automatic question that I ask myself when I hear this is a guy who is very close with David Poyle, a guy who just bought a house in Nashville, how mm-hmm. short is the leash on John Hines, knowing that Barry Trotz, who's very close with your GM, who just bought a house in your city, how short is the leash on that guy? Because I think well, that that's certainly what runs through my mind. All right, he, he maybe wants the Nashville job. It's not available mm-hmm. yet right now. Remember, they... they let John Hines' contract expire before they re-signed him. So I don't think they would have re-signed right. him if the if the leash was going to be really short. But if Nashville gets off to a really slow start next year, and I don't think they're going to be very good, I would not be shocked if if at some point Barry Trotz is coaching the Nashville Predators. It'll be interesting. I don't know if it's coaching Nashville or if it's management in Nashville, but it certainly feels to me like Barry Trotz is looking to pick his shots. He's calling his shots. And right now, as much as it would have been nice to go home to coach in Winnipeg, I think it makes a lot of sense. If you're at the the stage of your life and your career where you're focused in on your family, by all means, get right to it. Now, where do the Winnipeg Jets go from here? I don't know. That'll be interesting. Um, Jim Montgomery makes sense for a number of different reasons, but just like you we'll right see what ends up happening. We'll see what ends up happening with the Winnipeg Jets, but for now, Barry Trotz has elected not to coach next season in the NHL. Speaking of the Nashville Predators, Chris oh Chapman, yes. apparently the Predators and the and Philip Forsberg remain far apart in con- in contract extension talks. Dave Poyle wants to go max term. Certainly, that makes a lot of sense. But what's the AAV look like? And if you want to go max term, like I can't imagine Phil Forsberg doesn't want to go max term either. So how how can you be this far apart on the dollars and cents when you're talking about a franchise player? And and I'm sorry, there's not going to be a player better from a fit than Phil Forsberg. Like you could talk yourself into Johnny Gaudreau. Maybe you talk yourself into Nazem Kadri. I'd still take Phil Forsberg because he knows what it is to play and be a predator. Yeah, my my guess is he's going to get upwards of $10 million. Um, you know, the Predators do have a couple guys, a couple forwards making some, some pretty high dollar. But they also have like $25 million in salary cap space. He is your franchise player. He is the best player. Well, yeah. him and Roman Yossi are, are the two best players on your team. You, you, I think if you're Nashville, the question you have to ask yourself is, are we just stuck in neutral here? If we sign Philip Forsberg to a long-term contract, <laughs> is that really going to make us a better hockey team? Is that going to make us a contender for the Stanley Cup? Because I don't look at them with or without Philip Forsberg and say they're they're a contender. Like I think you 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 have okay. to do the due diligence and you have to sign him. But I don't know if, if mm-hmm. just bringing him back alone is enough to make you a competitive team, especially in that division. No, no. It's Forsberg and, right? It's Forsberg and, not Forsberg or. And right. you essentially, 
you essentially said exactly what the Nashville Predators have been over the last seven seasons. Stuck in neutral. Like, yeah. they are a team that lives to be exactly mediocre. Yeah, it, I, I think that's right. In my opinion, in my opinion, the worst possible place you can be in professional sports is right smack dab in the middle of mediocrity because you're not getting better you're not getting younger you're not go going to get impact players and you're just deluding yourself believing that you're going to win something uh, make a decision on Forsberg but don't let that be all you do if you're trying to win and if you're not trying to win if you're trying to be bad and that's okay if you are move on from Phil Forsberg but don't look to replace him with something else if you weren't willing to commit the money to them. Right. Just be bad, get young players, and retool. That's what the Nashville Predators have to do. Make a decision, go all in, or let it all go, burn it down, and come back stronger. The Ottawa Senators, speaking about burning it down and potentially coming back stronger, the, the Ottawa Senators have signed a memorandum of understanding with the National Capital Commission and other investors to build a downtown Ottawa arena at Lebreton Flats. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of that, but hey, I don't live in Ottawa. Now, it's important for a number of different reasons. One, it's a new arena. Those are always good, especially when you want to keep a franchise in an area. But two, Canadian Tire Center is like 25 miles or like 40-ish kilometers, maybe, uh, outside of the main city center of Ottawa. So, in other words, it's quite a trip to get out to Ottawa Senators games. And so, if it's hard to go see a bad team, the best way to increase revenue and get people excited is to make it easier to see a bad team. So, well done, Ottawa. Yeah, I, I, I think, obviously, you, the goal is always to put your, your rink downtown. I've been to three yeah. arenas in Canada. I've been to Winnipeg. I've been to Vancouver, and I saw a basketball game many, many years ago when it was the Air Canada Center in Toronto. Mm -hmm. All three of those arenas, right smack in the middle of downtown. Scotiabank Arena is, is actually in a really good location because it's very close to the waterfront, walking distance to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Right downtown, great. Winnipeg, great. Right downtown. Vancouver is incredible because it's right next to the football stadium, and it's right on a marina, but it's downtown. Very easily accessible for fans, for, for people who want to get to the games. I think that's great news for Ottawa. If, if that ends up coming to fruition, it's it's great news. I think it would be a game changer for a franchise that, that can't seem to get out of their own way. I think as someone who used to live in Phoenix, when I was living there, the Coyotes played in downtown Phoenix. They played it literally right in the middle of the city. It was right next to the Arizona Center. There was a lot going on around it. It was very close to the baseball stadium. It was a great location. The worst thing the Arizona Coyotes ever did as a franchise was move to Glendale because in doing so, you basically alienated half of your fan base and made it extremely difficult for them to get to games. If you lived where I lived in Phoenix, Glendale is a good 45 minutes to an hour away. There's no way I'm going to go out there for 41 nights a year. It's insane. So I think in, mm -hmm. in our sport, in the NBA, in Major League Baseball, putting arenas, stadiums in the middle of the city when you have multiple dates and not just eight home games a year like you do in the NFL, it's imperative to have a rink downtown. 
Good on the Ottawa Senators. Those are your one-timers brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee for today, Friday, June 24th. We're back to wrap it up next. It's Catching Up with Chapman. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. All right, Ryan. Well, the depression has set in. It's it's a very real thing that tonight could be the last game that we watch until September, and that that's kind of a depressing thing. There's no no World Championships in the summer. There's no other stuff going on. So we've got development camp, but that's not quite the same thing. So the 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 realization that tonight could be the last NHL game that we watch until preseason in September is is a horrible horrible feeling uh let's let's hope tampa finds a way to win so we get at least one more game this season well it is one nothing tampa about 245 <laughs> oh left in the first period uh shots are 11 to 10 in favor of the lightning jan ruda noted goal scorer absolutely blasts <laughs> one i guess <laughs> sort of. through darcy kemper um, like as, as bad as the Victor Hedman goal was in game four, like this Jan Ruda goal is probably worse. Uh, we'll see if Colorado can come back, but it's currently one, nothing Tampa. And you know what they say about Andre Vasilevsky in elimination games. We'll see. We'll have to see. Oh boy. That was a terrible goal. <laughs> it terrible. Really, it goal. really was. <laughs> Will there be a Stanley cup champion? We'll find out on Monday. We'll be with you then. Have a great weekend, everybody.